Uh, we're going to go into our time of today's scripture, which comes from Luke chapter 22. Uh, we're going to read verses 14 through 21. It's going to be uh, in the ESV. So we encourage you to look that up uh, if you have a Bible with you or uh, if you're able to look that up in your phone. It's also going to be projected just right over here. So again, it's uh, Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 21. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. And when the hour came, he reclined that table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. All right, we are continuing in our sermon series, Thriving in the Pandemic. Today's uh, sermon is about giving thanks, um, which I think... Maybe in this time, uh, in some ways, is challenging, but maybe not for the reasons that we might normally think. So, you know, I did very blatantly put pandemic in the title of the sermon series, Thriving in the Pandemic, because, you know, that's the context we're in, right? And I was thinking this week, you know, um, yeah, I don't know if you guys had this thought. I mean, there are times where, you know, definitely I... Yeah, I'm about to go to the grocery store and I have to gear up. You know, I put on the mask and I put on the gloves and I'm like, this is really weird. You know, I feel like I'm in a movie right now. But most of the time, it doesn't really feel like a movie. I'll be honest. You know, I don't know what you thought about when you heard the word pandemic and maybe it's just become something that we've heard and it's kind of lost its meaning. But there was like a, um, like one of those, like, uh, um, I don't know if it's a board game. It's some sort of like game, tabletop game. It's called Pandemic. And I want to show you the cover for it. Dude, look how awesome that is. Like, look how impressive the people look. Like, like the nurse or doctor is so like heroic looking. There's a guy with a tie in the back. I don't know what that guy's about. There's like a construction worker and they, they all look so heroic. There's like a helicopter flying over and it's like, I don't know. You know, I know we, we talk about people being very heroic in this time, but uh, the pandemic doesn't feel epic to me. I don't know about you. Uh, maybe you thought there would be more pan- panic in the pandemic. You know, um, maybe it, it's actually been kind of like more of a quiet sort of panic. But uh, I just looked up pandemic in like Google images, and this is one of the first images that came up, and there was a lot like it. You know, it's like whenever there's like articles about the pandemic, you see these dudes like marching like stormtroopers, you know? <laughs> They're like spraying. Uh, this is actually Korea. I don't know if you can see that there's like <laughs> Korean writing in the side of the subway. But uh, that's kind of what I think about when I think of the pandemic. But I don't know about you, in the streets of Ann Arbor or in Michigan, you know, I haven't seen a lot of people in like full hazmat suits. Um, 
I saw like one dude in like a, a janky, like homemade hazmat suit, but he looked kind of strange at Meyer. You know, like no one else was wearing that. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I think one of the things that is kind of, I, I don't want to say it's difficult because, you know, I, I feel blessed that we're not having people walking around like stormtroopers in hazmat suits. You know, I'm not wishing for that. But if you were to think about an accurate image for the pandemic, you know, I, I started like doing Google images for like accurate images, and I decided to not put one up because I think you all know what that looks like, and it's pretty boring. You know, it's like pandemic. You know, what, what would it look like? What would the cover of the movie of the pandemic in your everyday life look like? Would it be like a person in their pajamas in bed on a laptop? You know, that's not that, like, crazy or scary or eye-popping, you know? Would it just be you, like, I don't know, walking your dog in your neighborhood, you know, in a mask? It's like, yeah, okay, the mask is something, but, you know, uh, in many ways, part of what makes the pandemic so difficult is just how ordinary it is for a lot of us. I don't want to, you know, discount that. I know some of y'all, you know, maybe are struggling and maybe there are some things that have happened that have been acute and have been traumatic. And I don't want to discount that. But I do know for a lot of people when I talk to them and I ask them, how are you doing? You know, I think that was a lot of the assumption in the beginning is that there would be like struggle, struggle, struggle. And I I do think people are struggling. I I definitely hear it. But I do think for a lot of people, when you ask them, how are you doing? It's like, well, okay. You know, everything's the same. (laughs) That's kind of the thing. It's like we lose track of time. The days blend into each other. And it's just a lot of sameness. It's a lot of monotony, you know. And I mention that because... I think because there aren't a lot of dramatic things happening for a lot of people, that's sometimes when you hear a message like this, because this is not going to be news to you, that we should be thankful. But I think we hear it as sort of a reprimand or a rebuke, you know? It's like, I should be thankful, you know? And, And I think that produces some shame for us, you know? Let me explain. I, I think that there are some people that... You're like, well, you know, it could be worse, you know? Like, like I could be really struggling or I could be really sick. You know, for me to sit here and to complain about just having to sit in my bed in my pajamas and do work on my laptop, you know, and not be able to leave my comfortable air-conditioned house, you know? It's like, it could be worse. And so I, I think sometimes, like, you know, you'll hear people say, like, oh, you know, this is how you thrive in the pandemic, gratitude. And we hear that and we're like, I know I should be more thankful. You know, Pastor Steve, I should be more thankful. I have a lot. I have a lot of stuff. You know, I'm really blessed, you know. And brothers and sisters, I I just want to just, you know, say this. It's normal. This is actually how we're built. You are built to filter out information that is the same. The way our nervous systems work, the way our minds work, is we pay attention to novel information. And the reason why a lot of y'all, a lot of us, are not thankful during this time is because everything is the same. And when you experience a lot of sameness, I don't care how wonderful it is. You could be the richest person on earth, but if it is exactly the same every day, you will naturally start to just get used to it. 
right? How do I know this? Because Americans are not the most grateful people on earth. We just aren't. I mean, <laughs> don't you know that, right? Americans in 2020 are not the most grateful people. And, you know, of course, we're like, yeah, Pastor Steve, we're in a pandemic. But do you remember 2019? <laughs> you know, like a lot of us, we want to go back there. But um, I don't know if you remember, we all complained about 2019. You know, we all wanted it to be over. And, you know, still, even with all of this that's going on, relatively, we are very, very blessed. Right? And you know this, right? Like, like we have more stuff than we probably have ever had before. You know, when I look around my house and, and, and I get bored with my stuff and I want to go to Amazon and to get something new, to bring some joy, right? What you really want is, um, you, you, you want uh, a dopamine hit. That's what you want. You know, you want that little thrill that is different. Like, ooh, it's like Christmas. I, I got a new package, you know? But we have all this stuff that's so great. Um, and just a lot of us aren't naturally thankful. I just get that. I get that. I understand that. And, and brothers and sisters, I just want us just from the get-go to say, yeah, you know, um, it's going to be a little bit counterintuitive to learn to be thankful. But what this message is about is to give thanks and remember and to do it in that order. I want to explain what that means because I think for most of us, we think it's the other way around. So let's just dive into the uh, the story here, the scripture, um, and hopefully this will make sense to you. So this is the story of uh, what we call the, the Last Supper, um, it's something that has been commemorated, something we're going to do later in communion, or uh, it, it's called uh, the Eucharist often. Um, and, and we're told that this is, you know, the original uh, Eucharist, the original uh, communion. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. There's some manuscripts that say, uh, I tell you, I will not eat, like period, right? This is the last supper. That's why we call it the last supper, right? And so it's a somber occasion. We know that. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You might have noticed um, that uh, uh, there's a phrase that gets repeated twice here, and it's the phrase, give thanks. Um, this is actually where we get our word for Eucharist. So uh, when he had given thanks, that's Eucharistesos, uh, but the, the Greek root is Eucharisteo which simply means to give thanks. So whenever we do the Eucharist, right, it's about giving thanks. Now, that's probably not what I would have named it. I probably would have named it like the Feast of Remembrance. Doesn't that sound cool? <laughs> the Feast of Remembrance. Because we always say, and, and Jesus said this, he said, do this in remembrance of me. But I want you to pay attention to the sequence, to the order, right? So, he, he takes the cup, and then he gives thanks, right? And he took the bread, and he gives thanks. Each time, cup, bread, give thanks, both times. 
And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. Why is that a big deal? I think it's, it, it, you know, maybe you think, Pastor Steve, I, I think you're stretching this. But, but hear me out for a second. Before Jesus gave them a reason to give thanks, he gives thanks. Well, he, you, you could say, well, he's giving thanks for the bread. He's giving thanks for the, the cup. But you've got to remember the context. The context is Jesus just told them, this is my last meal. My last meal with you. Until the kingdom comes. Kingdom's going to come. There's going to be more meals. There's going to be more feasting. But I tell you this, there's going to be a lot of suffering. I think sometimes we miss the fact that before Jesus actually gave the bread, before we understood the significance of what he was doing, Jesus gave thanks before For most of us, we think, do this in remembrance of me. We think, remember the things you should be thankful for, and then give thanks. Isn't that how most of us work? So brothers and sisters, when we think about why are we not so thankful during this time, I think part of the reason is because we can't often readily think of reasons to give thanks. And this is the thing. Most of us believe that in order to be thankful, right, whether you know it or not, on some subconscious level, I think we think, I cannot be thankful unless I have a reason to give thanks. I mean, it just kind of makes sense, right? Like, uh, um, I don't, for me, I say thank you a lot, and sometimes it's like kind of like the, the context is kind of weird, you know? I don't know if you've ever given thanks like inappropriately, like, I don't know, you know, like someone comes up to you and they're like, hey, hi, hi, Jason. And Jason's like, thank you. You're like, what? (laughs) Like, like it wouldn't really make sense, right? It's like, there needs to be a reason why you say thank you. Now, if someone came up to Jason and gave him a candy bar, then he would say, thank you, right? There'd be a reason. Thank you for the candy bar. Jason is shaking his head. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I'm picking on him. Maybe he doesn't like candy. Maybe Jason should be more thankful. I don't know. But for most of us, we think there's got to be a reason. So for a lot of us, when the days blend together, everything's kind of the same. We can't think of a lot of reasons. At least they don't come readily, right? Another thing that happens for us in Thanksgiving is we think it's automatic. We think it should be automatic and organic, Right? There should be something that happens to us, and it's so wonderful, it just strikes our heart, and we're like, oh, thank you. Right? It's such a, a, a great, spontaneous, and, and just unexpected, and wonderful gift that you're just like, oh, I'm so grateful. And that does happen. But in these days of COVID, it doesn't happen as often, right? Because your days are the same, your routines are the same. So there's not as much novel stuff that is happening that piques your, your, your gratitude uh, uh, alarm, right? You know, and so maybe you could go a whole week. Maybe you could go two weeks. Maybe you could go a whole month without truly, I mean truly kind of spontaneously and joyfully being really grateful. Let's be real, right? Why does gratitude come before remembrance. 
Why does gratitude come at the beginning? Right? Jesus comes and he's like, yo, I'm going to level with you guys. This is my last meal. And then I'm about to do lots of suffering. Okay, let's give thanks. (laughs) Do you see that? Do you see how weird that is? How different that is? Right? And, by the way, kind of like, you know, this sort of like really somber note, um, this is the part that, yeah, you know, kind of doesn't get a lot of attention, but it surely did for the disciples. And he said, and likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And then he says, but behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. So not only is he like, yo, I'm about to uh, go suffer, but also all y'all, by the way, so don't think, you know, you all get off scot-free. You all are going to fall away, and one of you is actually going to betray me. Thanks be to God, right? That's not normal. That's not the way most of us operate. So what is this all about? Right? What is it about Jesus giving thanks in the midst of all this suffering? It is the thing that marks the Eucharist. There's a reason why the ancient church decided to call it not remembrance, but they call it thanksgiving. Right? Give thanks. It's a verb. It's not an attitude. It's not an emotion. It's not something you do just when you feel like it. Because I tell you, in this situation, who would feel like giving thanks? Your betrayer is right there. You can see his beady little eyes. You're like, geez, I know. I know what you're going to do. Right? You're thinking about all the suffering that's going to happen. And you're like, Lord, I give thanks. Thank you for this bread. Thank you for this cup. Brothers and sisters, there is a mighty lesson here. You know, and it's not something that, I'm not just cherry-picking a passage because it happens all throughout Scripture, right? There is something that God wants us to learn. And for most of us, we think we want to be grateful people, and I think we do. But I think for a lot of us, because we live in a very consumer society, we're all about what we can see, right? What we can experience now. Like, we want it now. We want it now. We want the good feeling, right? We want fun. We want joy, right? And so we want stuff that we think will make us happy. Man, if if, if I just got that job, if coronavirus would just go away, then I would be thankful. If I could see my friends again, if I could go on vacation, then I would be grateful. If my kids were able to go back to school, then I would be grateful. And this is the thing. We had all that in 2019, and a lot of us weren't grateful. Right? You get the things that you think you want, and it's good. I'm going to tell you right now, if just magically... Just someone tells us, hey, guys, guess what? Just overnight, all of COVID all over the world just died. And just we're going to open everything back up. There would be a huge celebration. How long would it last? How long would it last? 
I mean, I think we'd be pretty stinking happy, right? I think we'd be overjoyed. It might last for a while. And maybe for some of us, we're like, man, I'm never going to forget this feeling. Oh, you will. You will. That's the way human beings are. We're forgetful. It's by design. And and we're, we're designed, we're programmed to seek what is novel and new. So whatever is old and already experienced, you will forget. That's just the way by design. And so if you get the things that you think will make you thankful and you make that the object, it's just not going to last. It won't. Right? So the question is, what is it that you really want? And by the way, what is it that God really wants for you? Because we talked about this before. You know, it says that Jesus came to give you life and life to the full, life abundantly. Right? He didn't just come to give you half a life. He didn't just come to give you momentary joys or momentary gratitude or momentary blessings, but he came to make you blessed, a blessing. We're going to talk more about that next week uh, when we really get into blessing. But God's design, what God really desires, and I think this is what we really desire, it's not just to get something for a moment because it will fade but it's to become someone, right? So the question is, who do we become? Because it doesn't matter how wonderful an experience you have, how wonderful a a momentary uh, good thing you experience. All of those things will fade away by design. But to become a grateful person, to become a joyful person, to become a gracious and generous person, that doesn't fade. I I, I was wondering, what does a a grateful person look like? Um, As you could tell from earlier in the message, I like to do Google image searches. So this is actually what came up in a Google image search. There were a lot like it. It was like, I just looked up grateful person or thankful person. And it was a lot of this. (laughs) And usually, um, it's like a silhouette. So like, you know, like you can't see their face. You know, it's like this or like this. And and it's very interesting because this is very common, the open hands. You know, there's an openness of spirit. There's an openness of, of, of a person when you are grateful. Um, But you can't see their face. And so I just wanted to do a thought experiment. What does a grateful person's face look like to you? A grateful person's face. I mean, this doesn't take a a lot of, uh, (laughs) this isn't a hard thought experiment, right? You know, probably, you know, that person, you can't see them, the silhouette, that this is all you see. It's probably not like this. It's probably not like... You know, it's probably not like stinky face. You know, it's probably not like a lot of agony or pain. It's probably joy or serenity, right? You know, and and a grateful person experiences the kind of joy that I think we all want. And I think this is what God desires for us. You all want it. This is what you really want, I mean, you can say you want joy, right? 
But the kind of joy that this world offers you will not last. Right? We already said that. You know this. We still chase it, right? Because that's just you know, the way we're designed as well. It's part of our flesh, right? We chase those momentary just, uh, these moments, you know? We were talking, uh, uh, Connie, uh, Jason, James, and I, we were talking about how, you know, this whole summer, all the Marvel movies and the, the big movies that were supposed to come out didn't come out, you know? And we were just wondering, like, you know, what, what, would, it, what, what would we be talking about right now, um, you know, if those movies did come out? You know, would we be talking about how awesome uh, Black Widow or Wonder Woman was and we'd be in the afterglow of it? And honestly, I don't think we would. I think we would have already forgotten. <laughs> you know, we would have been like, eh, okay, what's next? You know, that's the way by design. These things aren't going to come out and you're like, dude, I saw the Black Widow movie and it changed my life. I never have to watch a movie again. I'm never going to wash these eyes. I don't know why you would wash eyes, but <laughs> I don't know. We say that. I'm never going to wash these hands because I touched this thing. Or, you know, like, like I experienced this thing and I never have to experience any other movie again because that's it. That's it. That will satisfy me forever. Of course not. Of course not. What we really desire is to become the kind of person who is perpetually joyful right? You want to become a joyful person, not to just experience momentary joys. Because if you become a grateful person, grateful people are just happy, right? Grateful people have joy. Why? Because they know how to be grateful even when the circumstances aren't peaking that gratitude all the time, right? Most of us were looking for the circumstances to make us grateful instead of becoming grateful people. But when you see this passage, you see Jesus gives thanks in the midst of suffering before the remembrance. And you see that all throughout Scripture. Let me show you. <laughs> Just two. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, we gloss over the next two words. We're like, okay, don't be anxious, but pray about everything. Let your request be made known to God. But there are these two words that stick out to me. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, when you pray, when you ask God for stuff, you got to thank God too, right? Because most of us, we're like, God, when you give me the stuff, then I'll be thankful. But that's not what Paul is talking about. you got to be thankful from the get-go. Why? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Is the will of God that you're just like, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about being a thankful person, right? If you are able to give thanks in all circumstances, if you have gratitude within you, if gratitude defines you as a person, then you will have joy, right? This is what we need to learn how to do. And it's something that you have to practice, like we said, giving thanks is a verb, right? There's going to be times where you're not feeling particularly thankful, but we need to learn how to do it, right? And, and so you, you, you may be wondering, you're like, but Pastor Steve, what if, what if I truly just have nothing to give thanks for? You said, give thanks 
before you have the reasons. But that doesn't make sense. Because if I don't have a reason to be thankful, then I'm not thankful. And brothers and sisters, the reason why I say that, and the reason why Jesus could give thanks before the remembrance, before the deliverance, is because there's always reasons to give thanks. There always are. If you are breathing right now, then you have a reason to give thanks. You have a reason to give thanks. If you are a person of faith and you believe in what Jesus did for you, you have a reason to give thanks. The people of Israel, a lot of their history was one that was marked by suffering. I've been reading through a lot of the Old Testament, and man, there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of difficulty. By the way, some of you may know Philippians. Paul wrote that while he was under house arrest. And he's saying, present your request, don't be anxious. I'm in prison, guys. I know it. I know it's hard. I know it's hard not to be anxious. But when you pray, you got to do it with thanksgiving. you got to give thanks. you got to rejoice. And the people of God, so often, they were being attacked. They were enslaved. They were banished from their homeland, exiled. So much stuff, right? So much suffering. Some of it was (laughs) self-inflicted. But, I mean, they did go through a lot. And yet you see throughout their, their history, there always is this sense we need to remember We need to remember. Now, by the way, this last supper that Jesus had, what would it have looked like? I know, um, by the way, people always make fun of when we do communion at home (laughs) because I have the tiniest bread. And people are like, Pastor Steve, your bread is so small. I'm like, hey, you need to be grateful, okay? (laughs) Are you just going to be grateful when you have big bread? I don't say that to people, but that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) This bread is delicious just because it's small. But this is not what Jesus' bread would have looked like. You know, um, maybe you, you have a picture, and this is usually the picture I have, of Jesus breaking bread. And it's like a big, fluffy loaf of bread. Maybe it's a little crusty on the outside, but it, it's warm and soft on the inside. And just when, when you break it, there's that nice little crunch, and you, you know, like, like the crumbs will go everywhere. And, and you can see that fluffy center. That's not what it would have looked like. You know why? You know why? Because it was a Passover meal. And so, you know, we're, we're even told here that uh, it says, then came the day of unleavened bread. So if you guys remember, during the Passover, this is when uh, God delivered the, the Israelites from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. They were enslaved, right? They were being persecuted. And God heard their cry through Moses. They were miraculously delivered. And they're delivered in the night. And they were told to prepare unleavened bread because normally you put yeast in bread and it rises and it gets nice and fluffy, but they didn't have time for that. So it was unleavened bread. The bread would have been flat because it didn't have time to rise. And so we're also told, then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. So this is a Passover feast. It is a feast of remembrance. What is it remembrance for? It's remembrance for the salvation of God. 
Like, man, the Last Supper is just layered with so much stuff, right? Because, you know, you look here and we're told it was the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. There's a lot of stuff that goes on during the Passover. Yeah, the Passover lamb is a big part, but I think Luke includes that on purpose. Because he's trying to tell us something. Jesus is the Passover lamb. Amen? Jesus is the Passover lamb. You guys remember this? That um, the angel of God was going to pass over all the households, and that the, the, the angel of God would go in and basically take the life of all the firstborn in Egypt. But the people of Israel would sacrifice a young, unblemished lamb, and they would put the, the blood on the, uh, on the what, what do you call those? The, the doorposts, right? On the doorposts. And so when the Spirit of God saw the blood on the doorposts, it would pass over. So the lamb gave its life for the people of Israel. And then God delivered them out of slavery. And so even throughout the history of Israel, when they were in exile, when they were in difficult times, when they were suffering, they would still, once a year, celebrate the Passover so that they could remember. Remember how God delivered us. Remember, there's always reasons to give thanks. Brothers and sisters, you know, I want to encourage you. I want to give you a moment to just think through. You know, maybe just to practice giving thanks. Because this is the thing. When you already just give thanks, you know, instead of waiting for the reasons to come, like, Pastor C, don't worry. <laughs> I'll give thanks when I have lots of stuff to give thanks for. It's not how it works. If you want to be a grateful person, if you want to be a joyful person, if you want to be a gracious person, and Voskamp, in this wonderful book called The Thousand Gifts, she points out the fact, she says, Eucharisteo, giving thanks, comes before the, comes before the miracle. Jesus gives thanks, and then he takes the loaves and feeds 5,000 people miraculously. Eucharisteo, thanksgiving, comes before the miracle. And brothers and sisters, Eucharisteo comes before even remembrance. And in this way, brothers and sisters, if you come down and, and, and you come before God and you just give thanks, the reasons will come. The reasons will come. I mean, if for nothing else, you can just say, God, I give thanks for the breath in my lungs. I mean, just think about the fact that we're alive. You know, they talk about this sometimes where they're like, you know, I don't understand this, but it sounds cool when I hear about it, that the earth is in the perfect position to support life. Have you noticed all those other planets, right? Neptune, no people. Mars, no people. Sorry, science fiction movies, no people. Right? Earth is in the perfect position, perfect distance from the sun, not too hot, not too cold, where life can grow. I mean, you just think about from the very first page of the Bible, 
we have reason to give thanks. God said, let there be light, and there was light. You have a reason to give thanks. You look around, you, you, you hear the rain coming down, you have a reason to give thanks. There's, there's so much wonderful green growing stuff, you have a reason to give thanks. Right? And we have this great history as the people of God who are delivered by God again and again and again and again and again and again. And if it wasn't good enough, if it wasn't enough before, there was a Passover lamb that was given for each of the families of Israel, and they were delivered from the hand of Pharaoh. And then, many, many years later, there was another Passover lamb. And his name was Jesus. And he gave his life so that we could be set free from sin and death. Hallelujah. Praise God. You have a reason to give thanks. I want to go into our time of communion. And this month, we're going to do something slightly different for us, for LGM.